stop whatever you're doing and listen to Josh and Daniel, Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Aussie podcast. Wasabi! Welcome to another episode of Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast, where we geek out about all things Ozzy, all things Ozzy related. I am Josh Kramer. He is Mr. Dan Drago. Dan, how's it going, the man? Wasabi! What's up, dude? How you doing? I know it's such an old thing to do, but I still fucking love it, man. I still find it to be the funniest shit on earth, those commercials. And it's so funny because the other day, if I'm home or just sitting around bored, like I don't really watch movies or shows. I usually just go to YouTube and make it like MTV. Yeah, yeah. Like back in the day or something. And uh, one of those Aussie spoofs come on that he used to play before the concert. You know, I remember love those? those? Oh, yeah, and he does it. Yeah. Valerie, she'd never really seen those before. So I was like, oh, oh shit. So I started like researching them and finding them and showing them to her. And there, sure enough, what's up? <laughs> well, I just Aussie. remember. That's a classic. By the way, I love in Scary Movie when they parried it too. Yes. Oh, it's fucking great. Remember in that Ozzy video, I texted you and I said, dude, Ozzy is singing on Twist and Shout. Yes. On the one with the Beatles. Yes. You could clearly hear him, man. It's so weird. You can hear him. Yeah. And I think he's also singing on the one with Elvis after watching it the other day. Yeah. I believe he's on there with him, too. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) Those are great videos. There is nothing like it was probably just about the best parts of the Ozfest for me. What was going to be the new video. And really ahead of its time, right? Like. Now kids could do that in their bedroom, but back in the nineties, it was like it fucking cool as shit to see Ozzy up there with the Beatles and it looks yeah. so realistic. Yeah, the one with Alanis Morissette is fucking great too. That's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> Pulls out the big giant dildo. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And I remember the first year I the first concert I ever went to for Ozzy uh, in nineteen ninety six and when he walked out and he's in the bathroom with Beavis and Butthead, that place fucking erupted, yeah. man. That was right in the peak of their fandom and everybody just went and you couldn't hear what he was saying. It was so fucking loud in the arena. But yeah, those were fun. Yeah. So Josh watches YouTube videos and i read when i get my spare time yeah. so yes i know i'm the geek <laughs> i'm the geek of the show it's official yeah it's uh true he likes to geek out on books and i geek yeah. out on music videos but now it's just what i like to do man I, I the older i get the more and more channel surfing just isn't fun and i just i don't know i just turn on youtube and let it rip sometimes and let it go yeah i mean with all the streaming shit i pay for there's always something for me to watch yeah you know honestly we never have a i mean i'll rewatch. Kerber Enthusiasm or the fucking uh, Danny McBride shows. It's just, there's yeah. just so much shit to just watch. The mindless shit that you can watch and not really pay real close attention to, but yeah. you can just kind of let it go, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. I actually like streaming. I know a lot of people are bitching about it. Another thing to stream, another thing to stream. I'm just like, I am waiting for football to get picked up by Amazon or by Apple so yeah. I can get rid of my DirecTV. Honestly. Well, I mean, have people not noticed fucking cable prices? What the fuck? Yeah, or like Dish Network drops ESPN overnight and everyone wakes up Saturday and didn't have ESPN to watch football on and shit. Yeah, fuck I lost that. my shit. Yeah, yeah no question. Shit. Real quick before we get into this episode, man, uh, we know you're a big Pixies guy and they released their new album this week, man. Uh, how are you enjoying that? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, thank you for asking. It's awesome. I've had a great time listening to it with my son. He's more into the uh, Pixies and that sort of stuff than he likes Ozzy, of course, but loves the Pixies. It's his favorite band. And it's also my second uh, or third favorite band with the Beatles. And it's been great. You know, like I do deal with 
the same shit in the indie community as I do in the metal community, which is, you know, Ozzy's old. Ozzy can't sound like he used to sound. The music isn't the same. Same shit with the hipster indie people. Doesn't sound like their early records. It's not as punk and aggressive as they used to be. And it's like, no shit, dude. They're all approaching their 60s. Wake the fuck up. It's just not the same band as it was 35 years ago. Yeah, you know, because you and I are still doing the same shit we did when we were 19 and 20. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right? We all are. And, you know, Josh and I bring this up a lot on the show, and I apologize that I do, but you and I have written a lot of songs, and I have written a shit ton of songs, and I still am. And it would be hard for me to get into a headspace, and this question I wanted to ask you, that I wrote a song in 1993 in, right? Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're just in a different time, a different place. You really become an adult. In your mid thirties, I think you know what I'm saying, and that you you cannot go back and replicate what it's like in your youth and being there. And like back when writing songs then was all you cared about. You know what I mean? You didn't have yeah. kids to give a fuck about, or you I know, did. but yeah, it, you know what? Well, not in your early, early year. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, no. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just different, man. The, it's just a different world that we live in, and people grow and change. It's a fine line, especially when you're an established act that people do know and love like Ozzy or ACDC or the Pixies. Do you want to see growth or do you want more and more of the same old, same old? And really it's a 50-50 from one fan to the next, right? Before I get to your comment, I do have to just point out listeners, Josh talks about being in your mid-30s to being, I I mean, I thought he was going to say mid to upper 20s, but fuck, he's like mid-30s, early 40s, becoming an adult. That's I turned into an adult about five (laughs) years ago, straight up. I'll admit that. Yeah, for me, it was my (laughs) No shit. I have no problems admitting. I got married five years ago. I turned into an adult about five years ago. It fucking happened. Mine was when I had my daughter, 26. Boom, I became an adult. For me, the same. My kids were stepkids and... uh, uh, you know, once I took on that role, I mean, I guess that's the difference mainly, yeah. right? Is when yeah. we get kids. Have yeah, kids, no question. Yeah. But this is the difference. And I think this is where you and I have a lot in common because we have a shit ton in common. But I don't try to compare. And I know that sounds lame, but it's just the fucking truth. I mean, of course I rank. I mean, we're the kings of the ranking. But at the end of the day, I just listen to the new Pixies record, the new Ozzy record, whatever it is. And I just judge it song by song. It's like, yeah, I fucking love that song. That song mm-hmm. was awesome. You know, the Pixies have 12 songs on the new record. Ozzy has 13 on his new record. I love all the songs. You know, I judge it song by song. The last Pixies record, there were a couple of songs I thought were just okay and not as good as what they normally do. Same thing with Ozzy, with Ordinary Man. A couple of tracks I thought were a little bit less for him. And when we say less for Ozzy, same with me for the Pixies, it's still cool and we still like them, but it's just not up to the same caliber that you and I hold them to. Speak for yourself, motherfucker. The first time I heard the song Patient Number Nine, my first thought was, man, it's okay, but fuck, it ain't over the mountain. That was fuck my first you, thought. You did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen my face. With- I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, oh, what yeah. is wrong with people, man? It sounds fucking awesome, man, but you know what? It ain't over the mountain, so it's a piece of shit. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. What the fuck is <laughs> type of mind. attitude is that? You know, I yeah, just don't it understand it. I mean, if people want to have that attitude, here's just a fucking reality. The Beatles and Sabbath, and I'm putting the Sabbath in that category because they're so influential on modern music, did it all. And that's exactly. it. If you're yeah. going to compare shit, the Beatles did it better. That's it. Yeah. That's reality. Any, and any riff anyone's ever wrote, Tony Iommi did it better. Did it better. So. That's right. Argument over. Get over it. And <laughs> let's just enjoy the songs for what they are. You know, this kind of segues into something I wanted to discuss with you, though, before we get into today's topic. I've put a lot of thought into this lately. 
you know, we live in what they call a microwave society now, right? And everybody wants it now, 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 go, go, go. And tension spans are just fucking not very good anymore, right? Like in our day, if you didn't like Nirvana, MTV said, well, fuck you. You're going to like Nirvana because we're going to play it once an hour until you do fucking like Nirvana, right? Right. And we're in a world now where I feel like with digital and social streaming and stuff, it's changed so much. When people our age, you know, in their 30s and 40s and 50s, when they went, back in the day to buy a new album you spent your hard-earned money for it man like yeah it was and cds were actually more expensive then they were 20 bucks in the 90s they're cheaper now than they were then but if you listen to an album and it didn't quite click with you you fucking listen to it again and if it didn't quite click with you you fucking listen to it again and if it didn't click with you you listen to it a fourth and fifth time and sixth time until either you fucking liked or you said you know what i just don't fucking like it right yep agreed and I feel like the world today just doesn't want to do that. And this isn't just an Aussie and Pixies thing or it's in general. And I want to give you a great example. So Slipknot releases a new album this week, right? And I like Slipknot. I'm not like the world's biggest Slipknot fan, but I've seen them live two or three times and I've got most of their shit on CD or whatever. You know, I like Slipknot. And it was Saturday night and I was like, oh, I haven't listened to the Slipknot album yet. I'm on YouTube. I go, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and listen to it and make my wife hear it while she's doing the dishes or whatever. And, uh, I listened through from track one to track. I think it had 12 tracks. I want to say I have many it is. And it ended. And by this time she's in bed, she's like, fuck you. I'm fucking off. This ain't for me. But I thought to myself, wow, I just don't think that's a good Slipknot record. Really? Like, I, I just don't think that's a good record. It had moments that immediately I was like, oh, that's a fucking badass part right there. Or, you know what I mean? Stuff like right. that. But all in all, I was like, geez, like this just is. And I had seen some chatter online that people kind of weren't digging it a lot of people. And I have not listened to the record, but I did hear the first track is like way out there. Like weird. It's mellow. It was like a, yeah. it's almost like a perfect circle almost. Something oh, like that. I, I like it. Like. Yeah. So I thought, man, I just, I don't know. I don't know about this one. For some reason, I hit play one more time. And that second fucking listen, man, it just clicked. Really? It, just it clicked. That album, for me, I fucking dig the shit out of it. Not necessarily every song. It's not necessarily my favorite Slipknot album either. But it's definitely worthy of listening to, to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely enjoyed some of the songs. But there's one track in particular called Hive Mind. Instantly loved that one from the start. Just a lot of fucking energy. Makes you want to run through a brick wall. When I hear Slipknot, I want to run through a brick wall. It's kind of what I want to do. But after listening through the entire album again on just a second listen, I thought to myself, fuck. Okay, I really enjoyed that listen. And it's sad that most of society these days don't give albums that second fucking listen. No, I agree. And I'm going to bring it back to the Pixies real quick, which is I've never listened to a Pixies record that I was enamored with for the most part. There's been one or two maybe in the last 35 years, and that includes Frank Black Solo, where I was just blown away by him. I mean, he is just a unique songwriter that takes time for those songs to sit in and sometimes i have had to listen to pixie's records 10 times in his solo stuff where i finally went holy fuck that is genius that's okay because i love music i love the artist i'm gonna run a through a brick wall for frank black just because he's just about my all-time favorite artist to me it's part of the fun putting in the effort and i don't understand why people today just don't do that and here's something else that really pisses me off personally i'm not a slipknot fan i just I like songs here and there. They just don't do it for me. But I would never go. And the only reason I say that is because we're talking specifically about them. But I would never go online tomorrow and say the new Slipknot album sucks. Why would you put that out in the universe and bring such negativity if I just don't like the band very well? And I, I'm just, it's just not my cup of tea. So I wouldn't go out there and talk about how much I have disdain for their new album. 
like these people do for Ozzy. It's like, if you don't like Ozzy or you haven't liked Ozzy in 30 years, just shut the fuck up and move on to whatever you want to listen to. I agree. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's just the negative society, but it just really clicked with me with that release, how that second listen meant so much. And, you know, let's be clear. And we've said it on the show. You and I both patient number nine, it took three or four listens for that song to really settle in. Right. And I think that song is kind of a mature, deep thought provoking song. And there's so many shifts and so many movements and it is kind of overwhelming the first time you hear it where you're like, well, there's catchy parts, but what the fuck did I just hear? And by yeah. that second and that third listen, you start putting that puzzle together. You're connecting the dots. That's what makes music fun, man. And it's okay, though, sometimes to hear an album that's super accessible. It's okay on the other side of the spectrum as well. But people just don't put thought and effort into listening to music anymore. And I'm going to put one more thing out there that is going to piggyback on what you said. Sometimes it's your frame of mind. Like I remember listening to a New Testament record once and I just was not in a thrash mood when it came out. I was listening to other shit at that time in my life and I was just like, oh, it's the New Testament. Let me buy it and listen to it. And I was just like, eh, this album's not for me. And then I revisited it about six months later when I was in a thrash mood and I was like, my fucking God, this record is insane. It's so good. So it's also yeah. what you're in the mood for at the time. Totally. It, it all comes down to mindset of what you want at that moment. And like I said, allowing yourself the chance to enjoy it. You know, it, yeah. everything's, and typically I know for me over the years of my life, the shit that had to grow on me a little is usually what I end up enjoying the most when it's said and done. I don't know. Just something odd that kind of struck me when I was listening to that. And I thought it'd kind of be a fun topic to, uh, to yeah. dive into here on the show real quick. So there's not a lot of Aussie news this week, but what has been happening as we desperately called for on the show is Ozzy released three approximately six minute episodes about the making of the record. The first one is called when Ozzy calls. The second one is called the Sabbath connection. And the third one is called live forever. So overall combined, we're looking at about 18 minutes worth of footage and they're fucking great, man. They're phenomenal. The biggest complaint I would have about them is it should have been a 45 minute documentary, not an 18. They kind of revisit some of the same stuff. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more behind the scenes, truthfully, but I would take this over anything else Ozzy's putting out there from a video format right now. The thing that I love the best about this is listening to the other artists that perform on this record and their honest, true love for Ozzy and how much they are honored to be a part of it and how much they just admire Ozzy and how good he still is. I'm like you, I definitely could have handled it a little bit more. We all could, <laughs> you know, I yeah. love behind the scenes stuff. I love studio footage. I remember when they released the uh, memoirs of a madman and one section was osmosis in the studio. And I was like, Oh, jacking off osmosis <laughs> in the studio. It yeah, ended up in like right? a 30 second fucking clip, but I really enjoy moments like that. Just seeing Ozzy sitting in that chair, singing immortal on those clips. And you're like, wow, that's what he looked like cutting this album. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. it right there. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because being a producer, body posture is everything when you're singing. You know what I mean? You want to make sure you're breathing right. There's just so much that goes into it. But Ozzy had to fucking had to sing that almost hunched over because his neck was so bad. And he's almost looking down while he's singing. Uh, fucking Andrew Watt is brilliant that he got that performance out of him with, with the condition he's in. It's amazing. But I'm like you, man. Really enjoyed those videos and hearing those guys talking. Of all of them, the one that I just love is at the very end of the last one with Duff McKagan. Why does Ozzy still do with this? And that's, <laughs> I mean. What else is he supposed to fucking do? I mean, right? it's just the truth, right? I mean, yeah. is he supposed to just fucking lay down and die? Like, you know, what else is he supposed to do, man? 
I really maybe, like, maybe the motherfucker is immortal. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That was so good. You know, for me, I loved the Mike McCready stuff because that's not really our world. It's my yeah. world, but it's not really the metal community. Pearl Jam is a huge fucking band, dude. They're iconic, absolutely huge. And the fact that he was giddy like a child playing on this record and how important it was to him to represent and play his ass off. That, to me, spoke a lot of Mike McCready's character. He even almost stuttered. Like, would you like to be on the new Ozzy? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, of, of course. Yeah, I love those, man. And seeing Rob Trujillo in the studio playing the eight-string bass oh, on the fuck, intro yeah. for fucking that was so great. Nights, so fucking cool, man. Is it eight-string or 12-string? You know, he said 12-string. Uh, Andrew did on that thing. But when you look yeah. at it, I think it's eight-string. Eight-string. That makes more sense. But there's so many cool fucking moments in those videos. And like we said, just seeing them in the studio, hanging out, cutting up, chatting. Again, you see Watt and, and Ozzy's affection for each other. And Chad Smith. Chad's right there all the time. Right there with him. Yep. No question. Chad Smith, Mr. Greatest Drummer on Earth, in my opinion, these days. Like, I fucking love that guy. And it's just so fun to watch him. Yeah, it really is. To me personally, I would be head over heels if Ozzy's new band was Andrew, Chad Smith, and Robert Trujillo. I mean, to oh. me, if that was the writing team going forward, I'd take it forever. Absolutely. I just think those three guys are magical together. And Robert had so much. Nothing against Duff. I love Duff. But I've loved him and had a love favorite Robert since his first Suicidal Tendency album, which is Lights, Camera, Revolution, which is a great fucking record, by the way. And I just think that guy brings so much talent to whatever band he's in. I wish Metallica would let him actually write a little bit more. And I'm really glad, you know, we didn't really talk about this too much, but you know how Jason kind of left Metallica because they wouldn't let him do outside shit. And I think it's so great that they have no problem with Robert, I hope, playing with Ozzy. Funny that you bring that up when you do. I had uh, some band rehearsals last night and the bass player in my band, Downtree and Jeremy Chaney, he is like growing up, I was the Ozzy guy. He was the Metallica guy. You know, and we had another guy who played drums at the time. It was the Kiss guy. You know, he just always had that, you know? Right. And we were discussing the new Ozzy last night. And uh, I said, you know, this fucking love having Robert Trujillo on there. And I said, thankfully, Metallica lets him fucking be a part of Ozzy's shit. Because yeah. with Jason, they ruled the iron fist. He wasn't allowed to do things like that. I think part of it is respect for Rob. But I think part of it is respect for Ozzy also. Like, I don't think the guys want to piss Ozzy off either, you know? Well, I think they also kind of... I don't want to say learn their lesson. I think they kind of grown up and matured through what happened with Jason. I yeah, really I do. Right. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. But it was an interesting time that I had that conversation just last night. Like, well, thankfully they let Robert do this. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, he's a huge part of it. And I'm like you, I could do with him as Ozzy's writing partner going forward for eternity. And I'd be tickled to death with it also. When I was jamming uh, the song we're going to talk about here in a minute, No Escape From Now Today, it popped in my brain, even though Robert's not on this track, that how cool is it? If now that Robert and Andrew Watt have a connection, that Metallica use Andrew Watt for their next album. Oh, people would fucking their minds would explode. <laughs> oh my god. I would love it, man. I their minds would explode. But you know, Andrew Watt's not going to write their record. You know what I mean? Not. James is gonna write the record. But yeah. the truth of the matter is, I think Andrew would capture and get them sounding good. I really do. I think a whole lot of what Andrew does that Everyone just okay. So like the metal community hates on him. We talk about that a ton on this show. But everyone that knows him fucking like loves this guy. I think he just creates a fucking fun work environment that people want to go hang at the studio, record some music, knock shit out, have fun, stay away from the wives, stay out too late, and just fucking have fun, man, and make music. And I think he creates an environment 
that bands and artists just take to. Like, I, he's got guys that just hang in the studio. That's why on Ozzy's records, there's different people in, and that's whoever's there at the time. Taylor Hawkins is in town. Chad's out with the papers. Fuck it. Hey, Taylor, come jam on this Ozzy right. record. With this. We're writing with Ozzy tonight. And it's just, they just have fun, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. And listen, again, take the pop out of Andrew Watt. He's still recording with iconic artists like Elton John and fucking Eddie Vedder. I mean, those yeah. guys are iconic rock guys. I would love to see what Metallica can do. And I agree with you. I think it would be a very comfortable experience for them. And the quality of material would be better for it because let's just be perfectly honest. And I'm the same way. I don't want to speak for Josh, but I'm going to. He's probably the same way. And we know for a fact that Ozzy is this way. The albums that he loves is the albums he enjoyed making. Not yeah. so much based on the material. It's the albums that he had a great experience. And sure. that is just what Andrew Watt brings. Okay, real quick story. We were signed for this little small record label in the 2000s. It was nothing. But the second album we did took two fucking years. And I started calling it Chinese Democracy because this yeah. is ridiculous for a band, regional artist, to be taking two years to record a fucking album. We have one of those. But, yeah, but when you mentioned or someone mentions that album to me, my first memory is how long it fucking took to make it and that it was kind of miserable. Yeah. Do you have that also? Like this? 100%. Yep. I remember that before I remember the songs. And somebody's like, hey, what kind of guitar did you play? I'm like, I don't even fucking remember. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't know. I just remember it took us two years to finally fucking put it out. And it was ridiculous. It's funny how that relates, but Ozzy is 100% that way. And he's having a good time right now. And before we move on to the next topic, I just got to throw it out there to you real quick, Dan. We know how the rumor mill has always been Ozzy Iommi, do you still think there's any chance of that, or do you think it's squashed? I think it's squashed, and it has nothing to do with what Tony was saying. I think Tony would be absolutely down to do it. I think Ozzy just wants to continue to work with Andrew Watt. That's all it is. Okay, here's my theory. Ozzy Iommi Watt. <laughs> well, we had talked about that, and I just joked on the before the show. I told Josh, coincidentally, totally off topic, I said, how cool would it be with a Watt producing a record written half with Tony and half with Zach. That would be a fucking great record something where, where Zach writes half and Tony writes half. But yeah. Andrew wants to write. And I don't blame the guy. I mean, that's who I am. I want to write, you know. But um, I do think he would let the reins go if, if Tony and... Because if Tony and Ozzy do a record, it's going to be produced by Andrew Watt and Mike Exeter. That's it. Those are the two guys that are going to run with it. So I think in my world... And I'm not saying this is what I'm pushing for because I, you know, I'm happy with whatever the fuck they decide to do. And I know Dan is also. I could see a situation, you know, Andrew wrote Degradation Rules musically. Tony ended up playing the whole track. He only asked him to record the solo, but Tony re-recorded the whole song, right? Tony wrote No Escape From Now, sent it to him. They write Ozzy's melodies and so on, redo bass and drums. There it is. I could see a situation where they do coincide on an album to where they go through Tony's vault of riffs that we all know he has. He talks about it all the time, right? You know, Andrew would love the opportunity to go in there and just dig through that shit as any of us would It'd be fucking excellent to hear that stuff. And then also write fresh material as a team. And you could pop out, you know, a 10 song album pretty quick that way. If you've already got a lot of the material laying around, who knows? It's all just speculation and fun, but it is. Dan, fun. It, yeah. Let me just ask you one question on that. Would that be called the next Ozzy Osbourne solo record? I don't think it would. I think it I, would. You think so? I do. If Andrew Watts involved, I think it's going to be. Or could it be Ozzy Osbourne featuring Tony Iommi? Maybe. You know, like Black my Sabbath first thought featuring Tony Iommi. Yeah, right. My first thought was going to be Osbourne Iommi or something like that, which yeah. I thought would have been cool. Or even Tony and Ozzy. It's kind of, you know, yeah. everybody knows who the fuck that is. 
But I don't know. Now that we're talking about it, I just think it would be the next Aussie record. Yeah, it could very well be. You know, knowing you know, it very well could be. For the record, on a namesake, I like Ozzy Iommi. That's just me. Nah, I don't like that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, let us know what you like, guys. If I would just call it Ozzy, I would call it Osborne and Iommi. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it'd be fun. And let us know if you think that that's something that may be in the works. We don't know. We have no. Inside. knowledge of anything yeah. just the speculation of everyone i will say tony's been very involved in promoting the record more than i've he's thought like he, he's done more than jeff beck more than clapped any of those guys you know mccready's been out there like you said but tony has been more involved than i thought he would be and excited about the songs you know i loved in that video we were talking about the videos a minute ago to circle back to that tony do you know what that song is about it's about yeah. masturbation and he's like you know <laughs> well i'm glad i'm playing on that one then or <laughs> whatever I, and yeah. I agree with you, man. The editing was a little shoddy for me because sometimes, especially on that one with the Sabbath connection, because that almost made it sound like they were talking about No Escape from Now. And it yep. just, the, the editing was a little shoddy for me on, on how they took those two songs. I mean, we know, but if you're a casual fan, you might think that No Escape from Now was written by Andrew and Degradation Rules was written by Tony, which is the complete opposite. Yep. I think that. It was more than shoddy. I think it was flat out fucked up, <laughs> just to be yeah. really honest. It sounds like you said, like they're talking about the opposite track. And I think even when they told Tony, do you know what those lyrics are about? I think he was thinking of No Escape From Now. I don't think Tony was. I think I, to I know. I think it was just bad editing. I, I'm sure they were talking about degradation rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, you, you probably had 15 minutes of the com of the conversation. Yeah. They so it could be. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But either way, it was kind of fucked up the way they did it. Yeah. The and editing was bad. But still such a good time to be an Aussie fan. All right, so let's get into it. Our track-by-track track talk today is the first track on side two of the vinyl and track four on the CD, and that is the epic No Escape From Now. Featuring Mr. Tony Iommi. I guess we kind of got into this one a little earlier than we realized it with the last conversation, right? Yeah, no question. <laughs> and before we get started, it's written by Ozzy, Tony Iommi, Chad Smith, Andrew Watt, and Ellie Tam Posey. We did get a little blowback this week when we were talking about Bob not being as good as Allie as a lyricist. And I just want to kind of throw that out there since we're talking about Allie here before we get started. I don't think Josh and I think Allie is better than Bob. I think we're just super passionate because the Bob fans are not even giving this a chance because it's not Bob. So I just want to be perfectly clear. We love Bob's lyrics. Diary of a Madman is my favorite song of all time. It's I think yours as well. Mine too. Yeah. And the lyrics are fucking phenomenal. They are out of this world. And we think Bob is amazing. All we're saying is so was Allie. Give Allie a share because she reaches some of that same emotion that Bob also can tap into. Yeah. She's kind of the same as Andrew Watt because she's a pop lyricist. She's immediately fucking, you know, Shat glossed over it. as and yeah, exactly. And it's like, nah, like she's writing good shit and she's writing dark shit. Yeah. I mean, um, Nothing feels right. It's just full of fucking dark emotion that just fucking taps my nerve to my ear. And I, I just think she's amazing. I mean, you know, outside you, of degradation rules, every lyric on this record is fucking great. Yeah. Honestly. And I'm she's not ripping. I think degradation rules is great too, but that's a different type of great. That's a tongue in cheek. Now you see it. Now you don't know bone movies. Fun track. One of the B side, which Bob has plenty of those. And I think Ozzy did an admirable job of writing another great classic tongue-in-cheek sex track. But the real songs and the the meat and potatoes that Ozzy and Allie contributed to this record are top-notch lyrics. And, you know, to be honest, a lot of people 
who are Bob apologists, you know, you always hear that. Oh, there's not been an album with good lyrics since, you know, No Rest for the Wicked and all this. It's like, well, then you're shitting on fucking Lemmy for helping write on No More Tears. And, right. You know, other people can write good lyrics too. You know, just because Bob says it doesn't mean it's a fact either. I mean, Bob wrote some fucking killer lyrics for Ozzy. Geezer wrote some killer lyrics. And now Allie is writing killer lyrics for Ozzy. It's all fucking good, man. We love them all. Agreed. I mean, Dreamer might be one of his best sets of lyrics. And, right. you know, no one gives Marty Fredrickson. You know, and Mick, Jones. On the, and Mick Jones, a huge, yeah. hey, f- great fucking job on the lyrics, guys. Exactly. All right, Josh, no escape from now. What is your initial? I know what your initial thought was sitting together, listening to it for the first time. But let's talk a little bit about the Josh development of the song, where it started, where it went and where it is today. So initially in the listening party, when I heard that intro and it was kind of slow and had the watered down Aussie effect vocal. I initially thought, of course, Planet Caravan, like everyone else. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Then it goes to the mid-tempo section after that. The da-da, da-da. And I was like, well, that sounds just like something I've heard before on 13. To which Dan later was like, take me home. I'm like, oh, it's fucking 100%. It's very similar to take me home. And then when it kicks in, I instantly was like, God is dead. This riff is very similar to God is dead. But at the same time, I was pumping my fists like fucking crazy. And then back to the slow section and out, right? Once the album dropped and I got to hear the track again, it wasn't one of the ones that grabbed me immediately. It just wasn't. I know a lot of fans it was, and I've definitely been seeing it a lot on Liquid Metal, that they're playing it a lot on the radio right now. So it's getting some steam, and that's great, So especially for it not to even be a single. But it is one that had to grow on me a little bit, to be perfectly honest about it. You made the comment to me, Dan, that with Tony, you know, we love it all, but you kind of already know what it's going to sound like. And this song definitely falls in that fucking category, no question. But it's one that, as time has progressed, it's grown on me more and more. And as far as my chili willies go that I get when I listen to music all the time, I got to be perfectly honest. This song gives them to me more than any song on the album. It does. 100%. Whoa, you just blew now, my mind. That said, it doesn't mean it's my favorite song on the record, but it's the one when it kicks in. The war is over. And Ozzy goes into that fucking section and Chad's fucking swinging. I, I got him right now. I got him right now. It just, there's something about that section right there that fucking drives me wild, man. This is not the song that gives me the Chili Willies for sure. You know, I, I like the song. I really, I mean, it's a great song. This album is just so fucking strong that I agree with you. There is, I don't hear Planet Caravan just because you throw effects on the voice. Just, just, that's all it is. Yeah. It, it is, I, I, I just the section doesn't Caravan. sound like it. Just his vocal yeah. effect a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know people have been saying that. I've read reviews on it. I just, I don't hear Planet Caravan at all. I think that intro, I love that it's a seven minute song approximately, and it's got a lot of twists and turns because that's what Black Sabbath is, right? Yes, at their best, right? At their best. Black Sabbath is just, you don't know where we're going. We're on a roller coaster and we're going all over the place. This song gets an A plus for that. But on an album that's this strong, I do feel like that riff is just too much like Take Me Home. It's almost identical, people. If you listen to Take Me Home off of the end, and put this on, the riffs are very, very similar. And it's the slow, chunky part. I do think it's awesome, though, and I think Ozzy's melodies are great. The lyrics are cool. We'll get to those in a second. I can't wait to dissect them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, once it gets up-tempo, it's fucking amazing. I think this song was chosen for that reason. Tony knows Ozzy loves when the songs take an up-tempo shift. You know, yep. it's on Psycho Man. It's on God is Dead. It's on even who's fooling who, even though Ozzy doesn't sing. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought up the point, Josh, that you thought the melody sounds a little bit like scary dreams in the intro. Yes. Right. 
And I, you know, I went back and listened to scary dreams a few times today and I don't hear it as much. Not really, but I'll be honest. This is going to piss some people off. No escape from now shits all over scary dreams. Oh it's, yeah. No question. It's not even fucking close. I know yeah. everybody loves scary dreams. And I think, I think it's a good start to a track, but my God, it's meandering. and doesn't go anywhere ever. I mean, yeah. I'm waiting and I know Ozzy bitched about it, that the song never went mm -hmm. up tempo. He's right. The song is, it just stays the same the whole fucking time. So this is where no escape from now for me is 20,000 times. Amazing. Yeah, I agree with that. The thing about No Escape From Now, and Black Sabbath has this, the song Black Sabbath, God Is Dead has it. So we all, I think anybody listening will agree, that second half of No Escape From Now is when it fucking really fucking starts cooking, right? And we all love that, that section, right? But the thing about these Tony Iommi riffs and Black Sabbath riffs, like, as cooking as that second half is, it's not quite as good without the first half. Like if the song went straight into that, it's not oh, no. nearly as fucking good, right? Yeah. It's it's the building, you know, on Black Sabbath. Oh, somebody know what? You know, oh God, no, you know all that right. shit. Without the leading of the two verses before that, it's just not the same fucking thing. It's it's all about the build up. Yep. And if you fast forward to four minutes into No Escape from Now and go straight into that section, it's it doesn't fucking hit you. Yeah, it doesn't have the same effect. To those first four minutes. Tony Yomi has a way of writing music that builds towards a climax. And I think that's fucking amazing. And there's not a lot of songs that tell stories like that these days. You know, there's a lot of first chorus, first chorus, guitar solo out. Nothing wrong with that. But like, that's not what Tony likes to do. He likes to build songs that build to a climax and then slide back down at the end of it. Right. I fucking love that about this track, man. And I definitely want to discuss with you. Chad's fucking drumming versus maybe Brad Wilk on 13. Yeah. Oh, I love this topic. But real quick, before we get there, the one thing I like a little bit more about No Escape From Now is it's not just one riff. You know, like Black Sabbath, it's one riff. Yeah. You know, Psycho Man and, and God Is Dead in particular, it's that. God Is Dead riff to me at the end is fucking oh. iconic. I mean, to be honest, that, that riff is catchier. I'm just yeah. going to be honest. But what I like a lot about No Escape From Now is there's so many riffs going on. Yes. I just remember listening to it going, and another riff, and here's another riff, and here's another riff. Yeah. And I just thought, fuck, Tony is fucking killing it with the ideas right He's now. Man. And yeah. let me jump on that. Three guitar solos. Yeah. Three guitar solos from Tony Almi. That doesn't get discussed enough about this track. Three guitar solos. And then when it comes in and it's, in that swinging section where Chad's just fucking going bonkers and Ozzy's and Ozzy's doing that the part Tony's soloing behind that also. He's still fucking shredding. He man. almost sounds like he's tapping. Ugh. I know he's not because he, but he is shredding behind. I think it's like so some cool. heavy like pull offs or something. I think he's like, doing no, trills. No, no, no. You know yeah. he loves. He's the king of the trills. Oh, it's just yeah, so fucking so good. And he's good. still going. I'm like he's soloed three times and he's still fucking going right here. Like, it's so yeah. fucking good. that's a plus. This album is so strong because No Escape from Now. It's such a good fucking song man it's so good it really is it, it's awesome so let's talk you brought it up let's go chad smith playing on this versus what brad wilk did on 13 okay i have opinions on it me too i know you mentioned that your son told you that he, you have recency bias and i think i'm guilty of that sometimes also part of our ali tamposi love it could it is a little bit of recency bias no doubt but when i hear that fucking section on no escape from now that I keep bringing up, you know, with Chad, he's fucking swinging. He's got the crash going. Shh, 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 shh. 
and Tony's still soloing and Ozzy's fucking melodies and the way he's singing those lyrics. The lyrics, by the way, are fucking bad ass. Let's go ahead and throw that out there before we get to them. Chad manages to swing but stay in the pocket so fucking tight that I got chill bumps right now. I don't know if Nick can see them. <laughs> he is so fucking tight and in the pocket that in that moment, I instantly thought, I love Brad Wilk. He done an excellent job on 13. I would trade him out right now for, for Chad Smith. Chad fucking nails that, man. He just manages not to stomp on the song, but embrace the riff and add to it in a subtle way. And it's fucking it's epic. It's staggering to me how you can play that in the pocket, but yet swing at the same time. I agree with you 1 million percent. Now, I thought Brad did a very good job. No know, question. He really did. But it doesn't have the same excitement that Chad is bringing to these tracks. Yes. So I think there's just a feel and a vibe that Chad Smith has that's very underappreciated. But he has that fucking swing. And I'll tell you, we talk about this a lot. And we talked about it when we did the episode for Degradation Rules. But I still say the drumming behind the solo and Degradation Rules is the most Bill Ward drumming that isn't Bill Ward that I've ever heard in my life. Oh, it man, is fucking swinging like a god. And I think he's, you know, maybe not swinging as much on this, but it's it's amazing. And I think his fills are tasty. They're in the right spots. He is a god on this track. Definitely one of the standouts. He is just so in the fucking pocket, man. He is tight as a fucking glove that is one size too small all the fucking time. Right. He's unreal. And, you know, when we say we would prefer him over Brad Wilk, it's like saying Degradation Rules is the worst song on Patient Number Nine. It's not a knock on Degradation Rules. It's just that Patient Number Nine is that good, right? Right. Kind of the same thing. Brad Wilk fucking destroyed 13. It was great. He did an excellent job. We're just saying, after hearing these tracks and these last two Ozzy records, Chad Smith might have become my favorite drummer in the world. And he really brings excitement to this fucking song. Oh, yeah. That ending is incredible. And excitement to the whole project. I mean, you were talking oh, before yeah. we went on air, just how much fucking he seems to be enjoying all this shit. And and he made it clear, we'll throw this out there again because it was on a different episode, where he's like, I told Rick Rubin I was pissed at him for not putting me on 13. <laughs> I love you it, know. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Here's the ironic thing. My three favorite songs on this record might be Taylor Hawkins tracks. And I know that's weird, but that's just the way the cookie crumbled on this record. I think Taylor did an amazing job on this record. Yeah, but that's not a takeaway from Chad. I just happen to think the songs that Taylor played on, Ozzy's just on fire. But we'll just get the to songs that. Songs you prefer, yeah. yeah so it's not the so songs drumming. It's just no, the songs you prefer. Exactly, absolutely. But Chad is amazing on this track. He really yeah. is, and I think he's showing the world that you don't have to be a, a metal guy to be a fucking great drummer to have a lot of taste, yeah. to have a lot of fills, to play complicated stuff. And Bill Ward has kind of said that his whole career. Yeah, for sure. And I think the world's always known that Chad was a quality drummer. But, you know, as far as the rhythm section of the Red Hot Chili Peppers goes, he's always kind of been second fiddle to Flea from a standpoint of attention. You know what I mean? Like everybody talks about Flea because he demands your attention, whereas Chad's just been back there fucking killing it the entire time. Like just, And on these albums, it's made me listen to him closer as a whole and just really appreciate his body of work and what a great fucking drummer he is. I will tell you this, too. One of the new Red Hot Chili Peppers tracks came on Spotify today. You know, when it was on just random, I shit you not. Did I not listen to the track a little closer now so I can listen to Chad play? For sure. Yeah. For sure. And I appreciated it even more. Yeah, absolutely. And one more thing before we get into the lyrics, I want to 
touch on this. There's so much going on with No Escape from Now. There's so many great, like Dan said, so many great parts and three guitar solos and Chad's fucking kicking ass. Andrew Watts bass playing, man. He's a solid little bass player, isn't he? I mean, he's fantastic. There's that one section where he's literally dancing all over the fucking fretboard. It's nearing that chorus part where Ozzy sings, Gone are the yesterdays, tomorrow's getting cold or whatever. And he's just going, do, 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 do. Yeah, kind of beatly. It's fucking badass. You know, you don't have to play 90 miles an hour to write badass shit. That's solid fucking bass playing that doesn't, kind of like I said about Chad, step on the fucking rhythm or what's going on with the melodies for the vocals or whatever. Just fucking solid, man. He's good. I think when they sent the track to Ozzy, Mike Exeter had actually played bass on that and they re-recorded that stuff. I think it's fucking solid work. You know, I'm going to touch on the chorus real quick. So we talked about the verse riff really sounding a lot like Take Me Home, but something that I don't think I've heard anybody talk about and that is very underappreciated about this song is the chorus Yeah, kind of goes to like that Sabbath bloody Sabbath thing where it goes mellow. Oh, and I don't call. think, yeah, I don't think anybody really talked about that where the, you know, it starts off kind of trippy with that, with the weird vote. And then the heavy riff comes in and you think, here we yeah. go. Boom. Donna, Donna, you know, when it's like yeah. fucking classic, but when the chorus hits, it kind of goes back to that picked really clean part. And Ozzy's got this really pretty voice. It kind of is like that Sabbath, bloody Sabbath it, vibe. Great call, Dan. I haven't thought about that. But it really is because he's Tony's picking clean notes. Yeah. The bass is clean tone. Doo, 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 and Ozzy actually's got the clean vocals going. The intro section, I always to me, I hear a little bit of methodemic intro. A little bit oh, on that kind of uh, you know, this this the picking style of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Part stuff. Which is really just but children of the sea. You're right, man. I think comparing that to Sabbath Bloody Sabbath will probably be the connection there. Very good analogy that those are a similarity there for sure. And that's, you know, we think about how heavy that song is and how driving it is, but we do forget that clean moment, which is actually the course of the fucking song. <laughs> right. And I think it's the most underappreciated part. It could be my favorite. I know the ending's great, but I love that part of the song. It is man. the most underappreciated part. Yeah, of it's fucking great. I like it better than the verses, shockingly. I just yeah. think that melody is so good. I'm going to agree with you on that. I like that better than the chunky verses, but then when it starts cooking, that's the fucking maybe best part of the whole fucking album for me. Yeah, so. for sure. No question. All right, let's look at the lyrics. So this one's, I don't think as straightforward, but let's see. All right, so it's the intro is when Ozzy's singing, obviously through that effect, he sings, too much confusion with living today. Paint an illusion in my disarray. Falling on dark times. Oh, when will it end? Too much confusion again and again. First of all, the first thing that pops out to me is that too much confusion. My my brain just automatically goes to like wheels of confusion for some reason. But what do you get here, Josh? What is your thinking of this intro? To me, the album as a whole has a theme of like mental illness or the world we live in. Like I want I don't want to say political climate from a standpoint of like politics, but just the world as it is. Right. I take that opening set of lyrics as like too much confusion. Like the world's just so strange right now. You know, like everyone's pissed off at each other. People's fighting in you know in the streets over this crazy shit. Again, the gun violence thing that I know is a sensitive topic for some people, but I think to me it touches on those subjects. Just so much confusion in the world. Vicky's lyrics are a dichotomy. I really studied them today because I knew we were going to talk about them. And there is a line. One line makes you think about what you talked about, and that is you know, the world being in disarray. But for me, this song is about a person that has made a decision that is going to alter their life so much that they can't even think about the past and they know their future is ruined. 
And I think it's more a personal decision that somebody has done and a path that they have followed that has wrecked their life. Hmm. Interesting. Well, maybe we can dig into the next set of lyrics and see if we can come up with what that may be. Okay. Next line is world on fire, scream and shout. So the first thing I thought of when I heard the song was world on fire, like, you know, the world in general, like everything is burning down and politics are at a fucking all time high with, with yeah. disarray and all this other shit. But really, I think he means my world is on fire. If I can jump in there real quick. Yeah. Initially, for me, when I hear that, I think of like the riots and stuff. Yeah. Because this I was don't... written during those times, though, right? During a yeah. lot of that going on. But it does not work with the context of the lyrics, I don't believe. Okay. Let's, so, let's hear the next. All right. In a cage, I can't get out. On my knees, no mercy can be found. Again, now we're talking about a decision that you made that you're on your knees begging for forgiveness, but no mercy can be found. And in a cage, you can't get out, which is very likely your own head, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Memories go up in flames, shovel dirt upon my name. That might be my favorite line of the lyric. Oh, that's fucking great. See my future circle in the drain. So again, I think this is about somebody that has fucked up and their own life is just in turmoil. They're on their knees. They're asking for forgiveness, but no mercy can be found. Their memories are gone. They don't even want to think about it and shovel dirt upon my name. My future is fucking, you know, it's circling the drain. Circling the drain. Yeah. Now that section right there definitely leans more towards what you were saying earlier about it being about your own demise. Right. And that your future is just already shot before you even live it. Like it's, it's over. All right. And so the chorus says gone are the yesterdays. Tomorrow's getting cold. Right. Same sequence. And you can't turn back now. What you've done, you've done, right? Right. Gone are the yesterdays, tomorrow's getting cold, and you can't turn back now. Trapped in the words you say, true stories never told. There's no escape from now. You've put yourself, you've made your bed, you lie in it, right? Exactly, right. I mean, that's essentially what it definitely sounds like. You made your bed, you lie in it. Okay, so verse two. Storm is raging in my head. Everybody wants me dead. Are you my enemy? Are you my friend? My friend. Destruction never leads to change. Waiting for the end in vain. Hear them laughing as they go insane. Insane. So he repeats that line again. And let's just be clear. As they go insane. This fucking Ozzy destroys that line. Yeah. This is so so good. Uh, Jack Uh, (laughs) Mahomes. So I love the storm is raging in my headline too. God, this song is so good. I don't even, maybe this is my favorite song on the record or it's my least like song on the record. I mean, this album is just too goddamn good. He told me 30 minutes ago, this was in his bottom three. And now he's like, maybe it's my favorite song on the record. Bottom four. Um, All right. So then of course, again, gone are the yesterdays. Tomorrow's getting cold and you can't turn back now. Trapped in the words you say, true stories never told. There's no escape from now. Another guitar solo. So then we have the big part of the song where Ozzy says, somebody stop me, which he came out and said that he took from the mask by Jim Carrey, which is it's perfect because he sounds just like him. Absolutely. And I know live you thought he said somebody suck me, which would have been a throwback to yeah megalomania. So I thought that was kind of cool either way, but I'm glad Ozzy came out and said where he got it from. And again, his tone there. He has that very 70s, 70s ish tone when he does that part. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now the music changes. So I think now this is where the lyrics completely change. And I'll tell you what I think this is about. It's almost becomes a horror story. 
So now we go up tempo and he comes up with, I'm coming to find you. I'm crawling out of my grave. And everywhere you run and hide, you're going to see my face. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to ruin your day. And every time you pray to God, you're going to hear my name. Oh, yeah. That's a great lyric, man. (laughs) Yeah. So good, man. So So fucking good. To me, now I almost feel like protagonist can't find any forgiveness. He's like going to create havoc on the on the people he's dealing with or she's dealing with. Yeah. What do you think? Because earlier you're shoveling dirt upon his name. Right, right. Right. There's and no now forgiveness. Out of the grave. Yep. Right. Yep. I'm yeah. back, baby. And fuck you. I made a mistake. You didn't forgive me. So now I'm crawling out of my grave and you're gonna see my face every fucking where you go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And I love those fucking lines, man. Th- that whole section is just so well written. And every time you pray to God, you're gonna hear my name. When he sings that part, man. I literally get chills almost. That's like that's like when it hits almost every time. You know what I mean? I just love his fucking tone there, his delivery, and I love the fucking line. It's just so fucking haunting and amazing. It's, it's, it's everything I want from Ozzy and Tony Yami right there. You know, I agree, man. And what I love about it is they don't rest on their laurels. If this was 13, that would have been the end of the section. It would have been, that's it. But what do they do? Tony throws in another riff and Ozzy writes another melody. And I think that is really the high point where we're like, fuck, we're just going to keep pushing. But before that, we get another Tony Almi guitar solo. Another one. Yep. Which I think I want your opinion on this. this. I was definitely anxious to talk to you about this part. That solo, does does it not have a massive technical ecstasy vibe to you? I think the second one does as well. That's what I was going to say. I think the second guitar solo is my favorite and has a massive technical ecstasy. Hmm, so maybe they it. both just have a massive yeah. technical ecstasy vibe and they just, and that's fucking awesome. Cause I think technical ecstasy is where really Tony came out of his show also of being a fucking shredder. You know what I mean? 1000%. Really that album everybody shits on, but that is a growth for Tony as a player. No question. Great call from both of us. I'm going to yeah. pass them back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Let me go. Hey, <laughs> real little golf course. <laughs> All right. So the next part goes, your tears will turn to blood. The battle's won, but the war ain't over. You're drowning in the mud. Reach for the sun, but I'll pull you under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pull you under. Oh, what fucking man. lyrics, man. And that's the part where Chad's is fucking... Yeah, and that's where Tony is like hitting all those fucking trills and shit. And, and going Tony's crazy. playing behind and just fucking yeah. going... Can you imagine seeing those guys do that live? It'd be amazing, oh. wouldn't it? Highlight of the record. Oh, that, that could be the highlight of the record. It's so good. I'm going to say this. To me... And I've told you this before. I think it's the highlight of the record for me. I can't speak for the rest of the world, but that section that you just read after Tony's solo, when he's still ripping it, Chad's ripping it, Andrew's ripping it, and Ozzy is fucking tearing the house down. That's my favorite mama on the record. Yeah, it's hard to argue, man. I Those mean, lyrics are fucking badass, aren't they? <laughs> they really are, man. They're so good. So here's something else that I love. So then we go back to the intro. Ozzy's got swirling effects on his voice. And we're back doing that mellow intro. But this is what I love. And this is what really separates this album from not only the last Ozzy album, but I think a lot of modern records. This part is not cut and paste. We do not have the same performance as the intro. Ozzy comes back and sings different lyrics that says, still in confusion with no end in sight. Inside the illusion, nothing feels right. Living in dark times, the message I send, too much confusion, will it ever end? And I love it because it's basically this whole scenario happened and there's still no resolution. 
And I love the fact that they just didn't, you could have easily just copy and pasted that intro and been like, yeah, yeah, just say the same thing again. But no, they changed the lyrics up a little bit, another little exclamation point on the lyrics, and Ozzy gets a different performance, which I really prefer. No question. No question. And I'll tell you what else about that section, too. It would have been really easy not only to copy and paste that, but just to end the fucking song on the high note of the fucking band just shredding that fucking other riff, right? The one before it. The fact that that they even went back to the slow section to me was just fucking gorgeous. And here's what it reminds me of. Not that I do this, but when you're on a treadmill running, you're right. You don't just jump off the treadmill full speed. You slow it down and you go to a fast paced walk before you turn it off, right? Yep, 100%. That ending section cool always down. feels like to me it's the cool down section of the song. Like the song started fucking cooking, right? And now we're going to cool down for a minute before we close out. And that's just how it's always felt. This is a great call because I don't like the way they do it on God is Dead. One of my biggest complaints on God is Dead is I wish it would have stayed up when Ozzy's ripping on that God is Dead. It should have stayed there. Unfortunately, they bring it back down and I just don't think it works there. This song, it works like a charm. It works perfectly. So that that doesn't always work, but it does here 1000%. Agreed. Totally. Absolutely agree. Totally. But all in all, man, we've said this for a year now. What a cool song title also. And it now that we know the lyrics and never dissect them, it does work. There's no escaping from your own mind and your own head, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's no escape from this moment, right? That's big. You're in the moment. There's no escaping it. There is no tomorrow. There is no past. Maybe I'm getting onto something here. You're you're in this fucking moment. Maybe there's more to it. And maybe it's the past that's coming to get you. You know what I mean? Very well could be. Great right? call. Because your past can ruin you. And, and yeah. Ozzy knows that as well as anybody. And, and, mean, and if you know this, and listeners know this too, if you live in the past, there is no future going forward. Right? Fuck. Maybe I'm onto something here. I like it. And maybe it's the maybe it's the past coming to get you like a horror story that you Mm -hmm. just can't escape. You have to live in the moment, man. Rather than you getting your own revenge, maybe the past is getting his revenge on you again and just burying you. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it it could be either way. I would love to know. You know, Tony has said in interviews that he's like, Oh, Ozzy's lyrics are great and I love what he's done with the song. But I would love to know like legit what he thought the first time he heard it. With Chad and the guys just fucking tearing it up. And then Ozzy with those great melodies and lyrics. I'm sure Tony really was very pleased with this when he heard the finished product. Oh, he said he was. That's what I'm saying. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm sure that wasn't just like media speak. I'm sure he really enjoyed what he heard when he heard that. Oh, fuck yeah. You know, I don't know, man. If we had an Ozzy-Tony record, you know, we know what it's going to sound like. Like, I personally think this song could have been on 13. And I I know Ryan thinks it would have been maybe one of the best songs on 13. What did they record? They recorded 16 songs for 13. I think it would have been probably five or six, which is pretty high. At least. You know? Yeah. 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 And I think you think it might have been a little higher. My argument is, is it better than God is dead? I'm I'm on the fence. I, 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 I really like God is dead. I say it's top four. And for me, I think it is better than God is dead. Yeah. And I think I'm five or six. And, I, and it just depends. I think yeah. it's right there with God is dead, which is where I have it. So here's just the reality. People ripped on 13 and said it was un- it was not very inventive and they wanted to blame this, they wanted to blame that, and they wanted to repeat themselves and blah, 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 blah. But the irony is this. This is how Tony writes now. This is it. That's it. And I think it's brilliant. I don't understand how you cannot be a Tony Iommi fan. I don't give a fuck if you're only a Tony Martin era fan, which I love. But you hear the riffs in this song, you got to be like, fuck, they're so iconic and so good. 
And he's got a vault full of them. And he's got a vault full of them. That I believe Andrew Watt is digging through as we record this fucking podcast. Finding the right crossed. ones for Ozzy to sing over. Let's go, baby. <laughs> like Dan said, I've said this earlier in the show that he said this. The only thing about a Tony Omi Ozzy Osbourne album is you do know what it would sound like. No question. It's like a new ACDC record. You know what it's going to fucking sound like, but who don't want more ACDC? You know, fuck it. We'll take it. If I can get eight more tracks of this, sign me the fuck up. I'll so, take it right now. I agree with you. And I think that's kind of what Ozzy was alluding to. When Ozzy talked about, I don't know if I want to do another record with Tony because we know what it's going to sound like. I don't think Ozzy wants to repeat himself, man. Yeah. I think he wants to keep it fresh and exciting and doesn't want to do the same thing over and over again. No question there. No question there. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. He he does not want to redo the same album over and over, and that's okay. You know, that's what I love about him. I mean, throughout Ozzy's you know, 54-year career, there's flavors all over the place. Whatever Ozzy wants to do, though, we do know this. We'd be the first motherfuckers to buy it. So, <laughs> <laughs> No question. It's called Ozzy Shits in a Bag, and Josh and Dan are pre-ordering right now. We would find something about that. I would still say, well, the way the bag crinkles, it's got a very Beatlish vibe. And, and this is bullshit, <laughs> man. My bag had a rip on it. You believe that shit? My bag was ripped. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? So, again... Let us know what you think of this track. I think this one is awesome as well, but this record is very strong. We've discussed what there is to discuss. This song has so many fucking great moments, but I feel like we've hit pretty much all of them. All right, so Josh, where does this one rank? You know, we talk about this in fours. You got your top four, your middle four, and your bottom four because we don't count Dark Side Blues. Where does No Escape From Now rank for you? No Escape From Now definitely has grown on me more and more every day. You know, when we first got the album as a whole, it was middle lower of the pack for me. Like I just wasn't as excited for it as I was some of the other tracks, but with time, it's definitely the one that gives me the chili willies. Like I said, it's definitely the one I pump my fist to or fucking nod my head. It's somewhere around. So if we go upper four, middle four, lower four, I'm going to say it's right at that fourth or fifth spot right there. So it's maybe barely in the upper four or maybe the top spot in the middle four. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, this one is in the bottom of four. And that's shocking because I do love this track, but people, this is just because of how much I love this record. You know, I'll be very consistent. I have my list done, so I know exactly where everything is. And let's do a quick recap. So we have patient number nine. That was in the top four for me and top four for Josh, right? Oh, God. He's, he's going to expose. I got like eight songs in the top four. No, right I, you fucking damn right I'm going to expose it. <laughs> I am not going to let you get away with putting oh. everything in the top four. All right. We have Immortal. That is in my middle four. That's in Josh's top four. <laughs> Let me have, be clear. I don't even know where I put them. So. <laughs> we have nothing feels right, which is in my middle four and Josh's top four. <laughs> and, okay. All right. Now we have degradation rules, which is in my bottom four and Josh's bottom four. Now we have parasite, which is in my top four and Josh's mid four. Now no escape from now which is in my bottom four and Josh's top middle four. Yeah. So how many songs by your chart there do I have in the top four, specifically in the top four? Three. Page number nine, Immortal. And nothing feels right. Nothing feels right. And this one is on the verge. So you got to make and this is on the verge. I would say now that I hear you say that, I will make it official. That's my top four. No Escape From Now is number four. Okay. There you go. So all your four songs have already been discussed. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel comfortable with that. And I have two that have been discussed, Parasite Today. and Patient Number 9. <laughs> It'll change next week. <laughs> exactly. But I All do right. feel comfortable with that right now, for sure. Okay. 
And we both, I have two in the bottom four so far. That's degradation rules and, and no escape from now. And you have one, right? Degradation rules. Okay. And I have one and I have one in the middle four. Okay. And I have, and I have immortal and nothing feels right. I have two in the middle four. Okay. Perfect. All right. I just, folks, we got to keep him honest because I guarantee <laughs> you at the end of this, Josh is going to have 12 songs in the top four. Listen, Dan's brother even called me out on fucking Twitter. He's like, Josh, he's like, this album doesn't have any ballads except for the two ballads. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, great. facts are optional with me. Fuck off, everybody. It is what it is. So fans, you know, let's get more interaction going on social media. Let us know where these songs rank for you. What do you think about Ali Tamposi as a lyricist? Can she just stand on her own and have to be compared to what's come before? Can't we just enjoy what Ozzy is doing today? And let us know where No Escape From Now in particular falls for you. And would you rather see an Ozzy Iommi record or another Patient Number 9 style where Tony puts on a song and Andrew Watt is kind of doing the show with all these guests? Just bringing in different guests. I will say the guests in Patient Number 9 is something that initially I wasn't sure I was crazy about, but it played out perfectly. No question. Yeah, and I think this has been said, but I'm going to reiterate it here as we wrap up. This doesn't sound like an Aussie record with a bunch of guests on it. It just sounds like an Aussie record. And that is what is key for me. No question. No question. All right, guys, like Dan said, let us know what you think. But until the next time, we will see you all on the other side. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get this fucking party going. But to your point, and what the fuck was your point? Dang it. All right. It's all right. Um, What the fuck did you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I was going to say. There was one in particular called Have Mind. Let me make sure it's correct. Is it a Hive Mind? Hi- hive Mind, I believe. Was that the name uh, of it? No, but I know what a Hive Mind is. Hive Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love you. That fuck you, great. bitch. <laughs> bitch! <laughs> But like there was one track in particular. Hold on. That's because I read, by the way, (laughs) and I'm not watching YouTube. I read. I read the fucking titles on fucking YouTube (laughs) as they cross through there if I'm going to fucking click it or not. Damn it.